Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeBrute was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Taylor Hart Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another edition of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, our producer, Richard Colbreth, once again back with us here again as we get ready to go into the news and exciting information happening in the world of iRacing, as well as also joining us some very special guests, Justin. From the Turn Grand Prix iRacing series with Delara, Manel Kubo joins us as he picked up a win earlier this season. Later on in the show, we're going to go a little bit of sports car racing as we have drivers from private label Team Hype of Adam Blocker and Joshua Chin joining us here next on the download later on in the show. Yes, it's a busy week to say the very least, but especially when it comes to some of the championships reaching the main stretches in regards to some of the battles and as well, having... Someone that's showed a lot of speed this season, and Manuel Kubo especially. He's been amongst the contenders for the championship for a reason, or amongst those contending at least for the top fives, to say the very least. It should be an exciting show. It really is. And speaking of, Manel joins us here on the download. Manel, welcome to the download. And first and foremost, I mean, it's been a pretty good year for you so far. One win so far, and you're in the top ten in championship. Hello, boys. Uh, thank you for the welcome. Uh, yes, uh, for the moment, it has been a really good championship. Um, it's true that at the beginning, uh wasn't that, that good, let's say. Uh, had two DNFs uh, in the first three rounds, so we managed to turn around a little bit the season. So, yeah, let's. I will try to finish it at least uh, how, how it is right now. Well, currently, of course, you drive for one of the top GP series teams, STK Gaming. And a team that we saw compete quite regularly in the previous iteration of this championship a couple of years ago. What was one of the reasons of your partnership with working with SDK SDK Gaming? How did that come about? Well, um, obviously, um, being part of the Apex Racing team as well, um, it's one of the reasons. So uh, for the championship, we needed to to basically. Uh, do some some teams uh, with two drivers in in each. So um, yeah, um, basically we it was something we we talked about, and I think uh, SDK was the good one for me. So yeah, very good. Obviously, yeah. representing that brand and stuff, it's just really good. And obviously, with that win and and everything, was was a really nice thing to do. I was going to say, though, 
One of the main things when talked about as part of the qualifying series amongst the qualifications this year was you originally believed a part of the Academy squad and get got the promotion just five days before the first victory in the World Championship Series. So how did that all come about with you making the World Championship at 23 years old, but also getting that call to the main group, quote-unquote, that has really seen you pick up a lot of the speed despite being amongst the top four, if not top three, and best average finish this season? Uh, well, uh, obviously, it was... Uh, have to work for it as well. Um, obviously, uh, when I entered the team, uh, my main objective was to, to, to be able to make it to the main team. Uh, we made it, and, yeah, I think... It was a really good week, let's say, and it mat it has matched uh, everything on a <laughs> on the best scenario possible uh, after being announced and on the same week uh, getting my first win. Um, but yeah, um, it was uh, not only because of I got the the announce. I think it's a, a work that we did all as a team, and I think. In every race that I did, uh, I felt more comfortable with the car, um, getting to know a little bit more in, in each race. So, yeah, uh, I think it was a combination of many things together as well. Uh, obviously, Bella is a really tricky track. And to survive just that race with these cars and matching the pace, and you have to be so on the limit that it's so, so easy to brush the wall and get damage and stuff. Uh, we managed to do it on that one, and yeah, I don't know. I think it was a combination of many things together that just, I don't know, finished on, on a high on, on that Thursday. So, yeah, it was really, really special overall. Well, since then, keeping amongst the top 10 points has talked about keeping within decent distance, in fact, to the championship fight. Coming off the race at the Red Bull ring, round eight, in fact, taking place on November the 2nd. How would you describe that race where you started around the edge of the edges of the top 10, but made your way into the top five by the checker flag with the car? How would you describe the race at Red Bull? Um, I think it was a, a pretty good race. Um, I think uh, I could have done a little bit better, uh, especially with my, my quality pace. It's something that I always struggle and I have to figure it out a little bit what's wrong in a, in my quality pace. Um, but yeah, on race, uh, I think we managed um, to do a good one. Um, the My strategy was basically to make the, the mediums compound last as much as possible. And I think I did. Uh, I think on, on the pack that I was, I was the one who, who made more, more laps. So that... Uh, by doing that, I could uh, use the the soft a little bit more, let's say more aggressive than the other the other guys uh, in front. And yeah, in the end, I kind of match the, their pace, and I could overtake uh, on the last lap to bring it home on P4. But but yeah, um, starting I think it well, I was eighth at the beginning or ninth. Um, yeah, made a couple of positions and stuff. So. Yeah, it uh, was a good finish. Uh, I still think that I could have done a little bit better. You know, always you can uh, aim, aim for a little bit more. But yeah, so it's a really good point for for the championship. It's I'm out of contention as well for 
for the for a victory in the end of the championship. But I think uh, these are good points to try to somehow try to catch the the top three. So yeah, we we keep fighting. Well, Manel, you're of course one of the drivers who competing in this championship. But let's go a little bit back in time. You know, of course, you're located in Spain in the Barcelona and joined the iRacing service back in 2019. What made you want to get on board with this service? Uh, it has a good story uh, behind it. Um, let's say my sim racing journey started with uh, in Project Cards too, um, in some Discord servers that I joined and I, they were doing some championship and stuff. And in one of those championships, uh, I met uh, Danny Elgarbay, uh, who is also known as Sim Racer. And yeah, um, he basically messaged me, I think in January, I think of 2019, if I wanted to, to join iRacing because they, in, in the team that uh, he was at that time, they were looking for some drivers. And basically he told me, uh, the first person that I, that I thought uh, was on you. So if you want to join, um and try and see if you like it uh and yeah i tried uh, i like it and yeah since then i'm i'm on iRacing and it has been a really good journey so far it really has looking over your career on the roadside you know you picked up out of the 264 starts 69 wins 197 top five finishes 15 even on the oval side picking up some wins a couple of notable points uh this year you finished pretty much top five in three of the biggest events on the iRacing platform, uh, fifth place in the 12 Hours of Sebring in the LMP2 class, and a fourth place at Daytona, and then a fourth place in the Porsche 992 Cup class at the Nürburgring, which let alone is a difficult one, and then picked up some other very notable wins across sim racing throughout your career. You, you've been on it for a while. We always ask this with our drivers. How do you feel like the platform has grown since coming on board here with the iRacing service? I think it has grown a lot. And also, thanks to that, I think we we are getting uh, much more cars and brands interested on it. So, yes, um, from, since I joined it, it felt I, I felt that there's much more people interested on sim racing, and especially in iRacing, and you, you can see that, like, in I don't know in every series I think you can see a lot of people registered on it and and yeah I think it's maybe it's just something well it's just the beginning let's say I think in the next year it will be even bigger or I hope so and yeah uh, I think my racing one of the best platform is not the best for me um you can race basically everything and you know that you're gonna have uh, really good races uh, to to be in. So yeah, I think for everybody who wants to just join, have a good time, or just take it, it more seriously and just try to qualify or participate in the World Championship races or championships, I think it's the best best uh, seem to to do it. So yeah, I think um, since I joined, it's just a good reflect of it that more people uh, has joined and obviously the field uh, has been even more competitive uh, because of it so yeah i think it's just a perfect way to go to be honest 
Well, we want to say, Manel, thank you so much for coming here on this episode. And where can people go to follow your career in the sim racing world, as well as just keep up to date with what you're doing in the World Championships? Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Manel Kubo, and also on Instagram, uh, it's with the same name, Manel Kubo. Manel, thank you so much for coming here on the download. That is Manel Kubo joining us here on the download. Coming up next after the break, we talk to two of the drivers competing in the IMSA Esports Championship, Adam Blocker and Joshua Chin, next on the download. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio powered by My Race Pass. Just Prince Taylor Burst, Richard Colbert producing as we continue to discuss things with drivers in what's been a busy week to say the very least. Amongst the busy weeks coming up when it comes to the iRacing service, how about getting a little bit IMSA-y? Yes, that's right. IMSA in its eSports Championship returns to iRacing for another season. And it's coming up in the next week or so, in fact, as drivers look to battle it out under the IMSA branding to see who will pick up the second-ever championship. Amongst one of the teams getting representation this year, Private Label Team Hype. It's a good organization that has had backing from no, IMSA drivers as well as from those who have had experience working for game studios like EA Sports over the years. Joining us in the broadcast, joining us for today, are the two drivers for their grouping. And it's going to be an interesting combination. I'll get to it in a second here. Joshua Chin, the longtime team veteran with private label team Hype. And Adam Blocker, who was for a long while a rival to Joshua Chin in the open wheel scene until apparently recently. Uh, what's the backstory, Adam? Because apparently I think I, some people missed the memo of rivals turning into friends all of a sudden. Uh, well, I mean, on the IndyCar side, um, well, first of all, I think like Phil and I are scheduled to do most of the rounds together, and then um, I'm not sure, you know, the driver lineup for races that they're a little bit different. But yeah, like... Uh, I'm still racing for Power Slide, which is the, my IndyCar team that I've been with forever on the IndyCar side. Um, and, you know, Phil, Josh, and the other guys uh, race for private label um, and, on open wheel stuff. But, uh, you know, especially since the uh, the recent stuff with motorsports games and, and iRacing where there's been less IndyCar activity, um, it started with uh, V8 Supercars, actually. Phil and I started running together um, a couple of years ago in the V8 Scops series, uh, like the Bathurst 1000 over there. And we just kind of built a partnership and got to work together, you know, building setups as kind of teams. And this would just seem like a natural way to continue to build that partnership and basically make a stronger lineup than we could individually. So it's more of a partnership than like me joining the team in a certain way. Gotcha. That's why I was a little confused at first, but I will say, you mentioned already work with Phil Cross for the majority of the rounds. Joshua Chin, you've been a part of the team as well for a fair bit of time. What's kind of the thought process or the reaction for the team perspective to have your organization now in the IMSA Esports Championship with Pepper Label Team Hype and building the momentum of the brand that's performed well in multiple championships in the league scene? 
it's definitely a big step for us um, running leagues like Ivory A, uh, SEO in the past. It's kind of a, a natural progression. Uh, overall, I think we we definitely aren't maybe the fastest team uh, in the series overall, but uh, we do well in chaos. We've seen uh, Ivory A last season. We did really well in some of the races. We were a little bit more hectic. We were able to get through trouble. So I think overall it's a good fit for us. Um Obviously, having a pre-existing relationship with Imza via Tommy, uh, and he'll be back there uh, next year in the Corvette GT3. So, uh, natural progression there from our end. And actually, it's funny you mentioned uh, Adam being a rival because five years ago we were teammates. So it's kind of come back full circle to where we're working together on something again. It's not IndyCar, but uh, still kind of full circle back to working together. Now, for those learning about the series for the first time, the IMSA Esports Global Championship, the official naming for it, through VCO iRacing as well, backing with sponsors such as Michelin, has four racetracks on the schedule. Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, Watkins Glen, Sebring, and Daytona, November through December, with $25,000 on the line. I'm curious on the process to join into the grouping because there are, obviously is a lot of top iRacing team representation, but also top esports organization representation. In terms of your opinion, Josh, how was the process to get private label team hype into the position to be in the title, but also into the conversation to join the best of the best teams in the sim? Uh, there was definitely some work and some uh, hard pitches to be sold. Um, obviously, with Tim Tommy being an IMSA driver, it, it helps. But at the end of the day, we still have to show that we would be competitive and worthy of a spot. And I think we were able to show that through past performances and things like IVRA. Um, I know there were a lot of people. Um, my friend Nick Ondur didn't make it in the series. Uh, there were a lot of people who were on the outside looking in. So to have our group be selected as one of the ones that can run in this is a, a great privilege to have. So being brought into this partnership, Adam, reference, of course, multiple time open wheel champion in terms of that mark, but also in regards to the rear world side also working in the open wheel scene and you mentioned of course the brand that technically no one owns the license believed to at the moment but also what's been kind of the preparation like in terms of a championship like this with it being so rapid paced to win so much i mean right now honestly we've just been focused on the first track which is uh road atlanta thinking like in, in a certain way compared to some of the other teams, um, like definitely private label, we, and, and myself too, we both have experiences, you know, racing the GTP, but probably not as much as some of the other teams that run it very regularly. So our process has been just try to work on Road Atlanta, build a good, you know, setup baseline for that. Um, and I feel good about the directions we've gone in. Um, and then, you know, just try to carry what we learn from round to round. And yeah, it's, it's going to be fast paced, but, um, you know, it's not something that we can't adapt to. And, and like Josh said, you know, I, we don't expect to be the, the fastest in the grid, but we definitely expect for there to be, you know, some opportunities to like execute better than others in the race, whether it's, you know, staying out of trouble or, you know, having good strategy or, or whatever. So. Well, speaking of that, of course, you know, we have four brand new prototypes coming on board. You guys selecting with the Cadillac. What information has Tommy been able to help you guys with when it comes to building this setup? Because I know from previous experience with you guys, you know, Tommy was a big advocate of working with you guys 
testing, helping with making adjustments to the setups for these types of events. Uh, I, so far, I think he's been busy with real life stuff, at least for this round, so we haven't really gotten to work with him as much as normal. He's definitely going to help a lot with race day strategy and some things like that, but um, yeah, it's the main reason we went with the Cadillac is it was kind of a nice thing that worked out. I, th I think Phil and myself and the rest of the team, like the Cadillac for us drives the most intuitively. Maybe that means that it drives most similarly to like an open wheel car. Um, and then obviously Tommy races for GM. So that was kind of a natural selection there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just kind of doing what we normally do in terms of setup procedure for any, any car when you're, when you're learning it, you know, just try to try to take a data driven approach when you can, but otherwise at a certain point, you just got to do trial and error and, you know, break things down as, as much as you can in terms of drivers and just fall back in like normal vehicle dynamics principles. So. It certainly is incredible to see this. And, you know, you pointed out it took a lot of work for you guys to get into this championship because unlike some of the other championships like the ENAS car or the GP or even the other dirt side racing, this is an invitation only type series compared to a qualifier series that we see for other events. So how does it make you feel, Adam, to be one of those 45 selected teams to come in and race in this championship? Well, like kind of like Josh alluded to, I definitely didn't expect to be chosen. I mean, I'm not like super surprised to be chosen, but also at the same time, you can't go in expecting to be chosen, especially when the, the list was so deep and the, the grid is so strong. Um, you know, it's really just an honor to be a part of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just, sorry, what was the rest of the question? <laughs> As you pretty much nailed it as far as being chosen because this is invitation only, not a qualifying series per se, like we see the others. Yeah, and in a certain way, uh it not being a qualifying series, yeah, makes it a little bit easier just because um, you know, you don't have to worry about putting in tons and tons of effort to just not qualify. But at the same time, you know, we've especially this group, we've doing a, the iRacing Indy 500s publicly like for so many years, you have to put so many effort, so much effort just to make that race. Um, I feel like it probably would have been a similar deal, you know, or working for oh, probably a month on a particular setup just to try to get in because that's how competitive it would have been. So, Well, as we come to a close on this interview, Adam and Josh, you know, where can people go to follow your careers in the esports world as well as also follow the team? that you will be representing here in the IMSA Esports Global Championship? Uh, well, for private label team hype, obviously Instagram, uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it now, uh, private label team hype on both of those. And uh, personally for me, I'm just on Twitter right now, uh, King of Chins, and I'll let Adam give his socials if he uses them. Yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram that you can find me on. Um, yeah, that's... That's really about it. But yeah, the private label team hype socials is probably the best to go to. All right. Well, Adam, good luck to you working in competing in this championship with Phil Krause later on this year. We'll try to get with Phil. He had a little bit of school to do tonight, so unfortunately he couldn't join us. But for you, Josh, good luck as far as being one of the people who helps make bring this team home into victory lane with strategy calls. And we'll see you guys this Sunday at the opening round at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Yep, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for your time.
And with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have some exciting news and developments to talk about in the world of iRacing next on The Download. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince as we delve into the news of the week here in the world of iRacing. And first things first, Justin, we have to talk about the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series. They went off to dance with the Lady in Black at Darlington, and we got a hat trick as Vincente Salas takes home his third straight win in a dominating performance that we have seen out of this driver in a very long time. I think at this point it's pretty safe to say he's advancing after four rounds, winning three races. What else can you say? You have a driver that's been outright dominant, has started up at the front almost every single race, has led a majority of the races in turn. It's been a picture-perfect type of contender series, and it's something that, especially with the technical lines backing he's got, there's a chance I wouldn't be surprised if he's contending at least for the playoff next year. That Now, keep in mind, that's still a bold statement to say you're out, obviously, but I mean, he's got the right network right now, I think, to do it, and he's kind of showcasing, hey, you put me in good equipment, I'm going to win the races in for you. Now, put him up against the R20 Coke drivers and we'll see. I would have to say I certainly agree because that's a lot of things to put out. And also there's a lot of things that are going to be changing, possibly going into the new season in 2024. But Vincente is definitely put on the right pace to showcase that he has what it takes to go back into the Coke series. Of course, a couple of other notable drivers who had some good, decent runs. Here was Seth Demerchant coming home second, Ryan Doucette in third, Daniel Bittafuco and Derek Bardot rounding out your top five. A couple of drivers who had a tough night, Caden Honeycutt finished 33rd, Brian Mercurio 36th, Zach Novak, Ray Alfala, Logan Helton did not get to finish the race as they struggled with difficulty. A couple of drivers who are on the bubble currently, 18th position is tied with Wyatt Tinsley, Dylan Alt and Kevin King on the bubble spots. Anthony Burroughs, Christopher Hill, Brian Mercurio, and Ryan Doucette all right there on the bubble looking to get in should one of those drivers mess up, which we're heading to a track that is definitely a place where drivers can have some big mistakes. The Monster Mile, Dover Motor Speedway with the Car College Series and the Contender Series both battling there on Tuesday, November the 7th. Exciting times indeed as we wind closer and closer to the end of the Contender Series, Justin. But another championship that's also starting to wrap up is the Turn GP Series as they were at the Red Bull Ring with Michelle Constantini taking home the checkered flag over Eduardo Leo and Premislav Marek Lamanek, your podium finishers. And of course, our very own Manel Kubo came on home in fourth. 
Yes, indeed. We talked about that mm -hmm. earlier on, but for the most part, Constantini just seemed to be on the pace from the get-go. When you look at how things broke down from the start, you have him already up amongst the top five. Took him only a few laps to basically control his destiny. Especially drivers like Fenelosa dropping back very quickly after that double-digit point on the lap tally. Constantini so just had the pace all throughout the day. And that's Texas. one of the major but things is hits. you need not only so a good strategy, but have the pace throughout the day. And that's what Constantini seemed to have, especially with the, some of the troubles by that midpoint that Fenelosa ended up picking up that shuffle Constantini essentially right up to the race lead after everything's said and done. Yeah, it really is. And it's going to be crazy to see how this will play out for the next two rounds because we're going to probably two of the fastest circuits that we will have seen for these GP cars. The next round will be at Pocono Raceway on November the 9th, and then the season finale at Monza, which is going to be another exciting race to watch with these two. And, of course, the championship, as it stands, pretty much like we said, there was three drivers in the hunt. Primislav Lamanek, David Toth, and Jarl Tien are your top three in the championship. Marcus Nunez could have a shot. Same thing with Mikhail Constantini, but it's a short, long shot for those two as well because they have to do a lot of things differently, and those top three have to have some big trouble in the next two races. And keep in mind, Abel Kubo, who is just one point behind Constantini, already considers himself not a championship contender mathematically, or at least in his mathematics, because if there was a lot of drivers to get zero points in a day, we're talking about a different situation. But Lemonex has been the consi staple of consistency. Has dropped outside the top 10 just about every single race so far this season. Mm -hmm. Has been amongst those to run in the top five. Already picked up multiple wins. And has that consistency to back it. Has one of the better starting positions That's in the entire game. series. Has the best average finish of the mm -hmm. entire series. Despite not leading the most laps. I think Lemonex is going to be a hard driver to beat. Give credit to Tot though. Last time the series ran a couple years ago, he struggled mightily. We're talking back half of the field. All of a sudden to be second best right now. That's one of the bigger charges you will see in a while. Or that's kind of a charge you don't expect most years. No, you certainly don't. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for those drivers in the final two races as they get ready to head off to Pocono and Monza, starting next Thursday on all of iRacing's platform. Now, here is the thing we have to talk about. It's the mid-season development update that our very special Greg Hill released today. And I have to say, this one is a very good idea of what we could expect in the world of iRacing, not just now, but in the years to come, and of course everyone's there, talking about, is like this meaning we're going to get rank? Well, due to the fact now that they touched on this, they are working on it, and they're not guaranteeing it for December, but they are confident that it will be released. They have some new statuses on some new weather system that they actually built called Tempest, and they are working very hard to make sure that all the components needed for this brand new update that's supposedly going to be a game changer for the sim racing with this opportunity is coming all into play very well. Yeah, but the main thing to consider when it comes to this is it's similar to what we've seen with the new damage model. Going to phase it into stages. And I don't blame them for this because one of the main talking points is you need to get this right because we're talking about the foundation of a system that if it's done right, 
is likely going to be on iRacing for probably its entire lifetime from this point forward. They're talking about the Formula 1600 is being projected, or at least Greg Hill is, the Toyota GR86, and one GT3, just one of the Ferraris. And I don't blame them for taking this cautionary tale because it's quite simple. You put it for all the cars and you didn't test all of the weather and all of a sudden, let's say you accidentally forgot to see something with a combination you didn't think about and you accidentally go faster in ring tires or something. I don't blame them. Just get it to where you get all the bugs out in a controlled grouping and ready to go because if you mess this up, a lot of people will be a lot of mad. And I yeah. don't blame them for the cautionary tale here they're trying to take. I don't either. And, you know, if you are always want to do it right, make sure you do it right the first time in. Yes, I'm pretty sure everyone wants to be where it's done in one go, where everything automatically gets the rain update. I understand why they're needing to do it in little groups of cars in order to make this work. And that way it works good. And if they need to make adjustments, they can. So we'll see what comes of December, but there is some things coming in December that are already coming out. A couple of things are some sim optimization and performances to help with certain things on the iRacing platform, as well as also an improved protest system. This one I found interesting. Post-race results disqualification are also going to be added into place. So, you know, as far as... Any member of the team may be disqualified from a race or event after the results have been posted. So that could be a big thing, especially for those who are competing in official iRacing championships. And I think that's one thing where it's like, okay, I hope you expand the staff, for one, to make sure on that. But two, thank goodness it's not just, okay, here's a warning, yet we can overturn on the protest, uh, uh, protest appeal system. Now... There are some drivers that are going to be at risk where, okay, if you actually actually wreck them, they'll lose I-rating. So it's, if anything, it's something that honestly most people won't find out the results of probably until the next day of a race. But it'll be something where I've already seen people on Twitter saying, well, this driver is now going to get what they deserve. Or this one, I can't wait for their reaction because some people on the oval side literally will bump and run you and drive through you for a race win. Uh, not not so easy anymore if they elect to protest you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting and a game changer, I have to say, when it comes to that side of the iRacing platform. Now, for those of you wondering, cars. There is a bunch, one car at least confirmed that will be added onto the 2024 Season 1 build. And that is the Audi R8 LMS Evo 2 GT3. So we're getting the updated Audi R8. And it's a surprise, I have to say. But it's going to be part of an effort to continue into next year with multiple additions and replacements of the GT3 spec cars on the platform. So safe to say, we will, like we've already been seeing, Justin, where we saw this year... The updated Ferrari 296, the updated Porsche 911 or 992 GT3 Cup car, along with the Mercedes that we've had this year. It's safe to say we're going to see some updated GT3 cars for basically the iRacing platform because chimes are changing. And due to the fact that GT3 is now going to be the go-to GT series now, it's a big change. 
But at the same time, it's a well like change because it comes again down to the simple fact to be able to keep up with the demands of the sim and especially to keep up with the fact we talked about how keeping content very consistent is a good thing in this day of age, especially for sim racing. That falls back into that line where how do you say that when you have a 10-year-old car, or rather in some cases a 5-year-old car, being utilized in your main events? And as a brand, you're saying, okay, what do we do here? We don't have our right car. So in the process of things, this is big for the the companies, of course, to have the active content to be able to do events with and have that representation, but also big for the fans to be able to have the chance to drive what's actually on the circuit today. It really is, and I think pretty much that just narrows it down just in looking over the GT3 spec cars that need to be updated. The only one left is, or the only two left, is the Lamborghini Huracan GT3, as well as also the McLaren that needs a brand new overhaul with, of course, a 720S that is out instead of the MP412C. Yeah, Again, those take time, but... If they're already looping back to the Audi, I wouldn't be surprised if they loop back to it for the next few months, or if not the next year, especially with the push on the roadside. And that kind of gets towards a lot of the conversation on the oval side and the road and the track side, I think, Taylor. It, it certainly does. So current updates or current tracks that are going to be released in the 2024 Season 1 build. Uh, of course, one of them is a well-known short track, the world's fastest quarter-mile oval. Slinger Speedway is coming on board, and it will conclude not only the oval, but the figure eight configuration. So you'll get to have the chance to have some more fun in the figure eight world besides at Irwindale. Uh, Mugello Circuit will also debut in December, as it was exciting to add this Italian circuit onto the platform. But speaking of what we talked about of updating and making sure things stay up to date, the Okayama circuit, which is one of the most popular and the one of the older circuits on the iRacing platform utilized in a lot of the rookie racing classes, is getting a re-release just like we saw with Zenbort as it's going to be updated with brand new artwork and up graphics to make sure it meets the standard quality, just like we saw with Virginia International Raceway and Zandvoort. I just actually did a broadcast there on November the 2nd involving the racetrack, and some tracks you can tell they were scanned in, say, 2021 or 2020 or around that time frame, if not newer. Some you can tell are still 2013. There's almost like a yellow shine to the older tracks at this point. But, again, that's a part of being able to update things actively. And I kind of think that kind of falls in line to some of the various Japanese-related content that we've seen on the service come as of late. So it's like, why not get Okayama scan? Why not say, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a couple other tracks in that mix that we'll see in the coming months because... How often do we see the iRacing crew in Japan physically? Very rarely. I think the last time we saw them in Japan was when they did the Fuji circuit, which is our most recent Japanese circuit that we have for now. Of course, now with a partnership yep. with Super Formula, that can ultimately change. And one thing I noticed recently, Justin, I saw on social media was Super Formula running the Suzuka circuit in reverse for an official race. Ah. So who who's not to say we might see that coming on board for future builds? Can you actually do that? 
right now is the first question. Second, not, offici- not officially without getting the black flag. Yeah. Secondly, I, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. In theory, you would say Fuji, Super Formula, and as well, Okayama would be potentially one if not two different trips. Who's to say they didn't go to Suzuka and have it to where you could put the billboards backwards or something? I don't know. I'm thinking out of the box here. But it's kind of towards a wait-and-see matter again when it comes to some of the updates. But, yeah. It certainly is, and it's going to be exciting. Uh, of course, outside of those, there are some other improvements, some fixes that will be coming out that they will release as we get closer to the 2024 Season 1 build. A couple of other updates is also that they have been working heavily on the two other tracks that they have been working on. Uh, Portimao, as well as Navara, are also in production with their art team, so we'll probably see those tracks in 2024 sometime. Also, they've been working on the SRX cars, so they're getting those cars set for 2024, along with some different street stock car bodies, so... We'll see how that comes to play when those Street Stocks cars come on board because that's one of the oldest oval cars that we've had on the platform for quite some time. Yeah, indeed, and I think it's a very well-needed Street Stock update because of how much has changed in the cars, but also it kind of alludes to Heart of Oval Country, and it kind of wonders wanders back to the thought of what else did you scan in North Carolina that we'll see because... There is in the next line, I think you're alluding to a bit too. They also worked on a micro sprint, which you mentioned Millbridge. We work, you mentioned Kern, for example, amongst the most recent builds as well that's already been completed. Handful of additional current and feature short tracks. Future short tracks, should say. Again, that leads to the question, what else would you throw on, say, a street stock or a micro sprint for a series in North Carolina? Well, I mean, for a street stock, you have a certain special madhouse that I have to say that's out there in North Carolina in Winston-Salem. That's a great one that I wouldn't be surprised is on soon. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that could be coming into play regarding that track, but that's one of the biggest ones. And then, of course, there is a couple of other tracks that are part of the Cars Tour that are over there in the North Carolina region. I mean, you're looking at at least half a dozen, if not more, short tracks, such as a Speedway, Tri-County Speedway. I mean, you're looking at a whole plethora of short tracks that are over in North Carolina. And again, that's kind of what I'm thinking is, if you're there for multiple things, why not see about doing X, Y, and Z on the same trip? Because it consolidates things. Obviously, it's a company that likes to keep things the chest eye racing is, but... It kind of does show the card when you say, oh, we've been in North Carolina, and you kind of wonder, okay, what tracks did they get, and what has Dale Jr. said on the radio recently or something. <laughs> I'm kind of getting to the Dale Jr. path a lot, I know, but it, it's a all lot good. of what he's uh, – all it takes is one call from Dale Jr., and you get, you're in the gate. <laughs> Pretty much, but other than that, of course, we touched on the micro sprint. Of course, Millbridge Speedway was mentioned on the Dale Jr. download when they sat down with track owner at Millbridge Speedway. A couple of other things. The career mode is making some significant headway on the project, and they're looking to pick things up with that, so we'll see how that will come into play. User interface and design team have been working on some new structures for the UI model, which will be exciting to see. But here's the one that a lot of us oval racers, Justin, are looking for. The oval refresh as well coming into play that this is supposed to 
basically help more with the asphalt ovals with improved dynamic racing experience, track surface grip levels that will change rapidly as temperature rise and fall depending on weather, time of day, and the energy the cars put on the track. So they even mentioned, be sure to prepare to tune your setups for changing track conditions and search for grip at various lanes as it heats up and cools down throughout a racing session. And that's the one I think a lot of people have stars next to because of the fact, well, there's so much demand for an update. There's so much demand to get multi-groove racing back. It's almost to a screaming pitch to where if iRacing doesn't get this to work the way fans, I think, want it to, as in, how do I phrase this? The V6 tire model without the camber thrust, uh, there might be some Coke drivers ready to, to knock on the front door of the iRacing headquarters right now. Because, again, adding dynamic track is big. Also, one major thing I've always seen on iRacing that has always boggled my mind, this track temperature is too low for this air temp or something along those lines. Because in real life, some of the air temps we see on the iRacing, in real life, the track temp's like 140 degrees. In the sim, it's like 102. It's like, this isn't that hot. As hot as I would think. And I think adding that energy into the racetrack and forcing drivers to search for grip, but also getting it to where it's not where it chews up your tires if you run the top of the racetrack for more than one lap is kind of an important thing. It falls back into the weather conversation. If they get it right iRacing fans are going to flock in in droves, and you might, and you're likely going to have a lot of happy people. If anything's done wrong, we're talking about, in the case of the oval side, probably something that takes five years until the next refresh, and then it becomes the question okay, what are people going to do to make the setup fast that you normally wouldn't see in a race car today? Yeah, it certainly is going to be critical to see how this will play out. So stay tuned for more. Of course, we'll give you the full update when that gets released in December. We still have a lot of things happening between now and then, but we have to wait a little bit more before the update for 2024 season one. But it's only a couple of weeks away, so we'll make sure we update that when the time comes. But for that, Justin, time to bring another episode down to a close here on the download. For Manel Kubo, for Adam Blocker, and for Joshua Chin, for our producer Richard Colbreth and my co-host Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. <laughs>